I'm going to be uh, sharing with you out of the book of James. He's a stem winder, James, Jesus' brother. He, he talks to you right face to face and uh, gets down to the nitty, <laughs> down to the nitty gritty. And uh, he has a lot to say. But, uh, but I want you to know the message is titled Free from Restrictions. Um, uh, he's speaking to Christians, primarily Jews that have made some a commitment to Jesus. And he's kind of revving them up and saying, hey, let me talk to y'all. So he's not speaking necessarily to a bunch of Gentiles. He's speaking to the house of God, so to speak. And he said, I'm, I want to help you because I, I know that some of you, you need help. Now, here's what we know. One day, say one day, one day, everyone you know Everyone that's ever been and everyone that ever will be will stand before God in judgment. Judgment day. Judgment day. One day it's going to happen. You see, why is that? Because God will call into account all the blessings and all the gifts and all the things that you've done with the life that he has given you. We were created in the image of God and we know that. And every person created by God does what? Belongs to God. You take the worst person that you know, the worst sinner that you know, and say, here it is, they belong to God. They'll never get away from the fact as to who their spiritual father is. And God created each of us with a measure of faith. Now, the reason for that, a measure of faith. Why? A little bit of faith that's here. How many of you know how big that little measure of faith is? Anybody? Come on, a little mustard seed. There you go. Just a little bit of a mustard seed. And that faith is there to give us the ability to believe. I mean to believe. That's all it's for, that little bit of mustard seed faith, is to give us first primarily to believe. You will never pray for miracles and get them until you believe. Believe is step number one to get that which we need from God. Paul writes in Ephesians 2 verse number 8. He says, by grace we are what? We are saved through what? Through faith. There it is. We believe it's by faith. And so God gave us an option, however, to reject him. He's a big boy. He's God. And he said, I don't want to stiff arm you. I don't, I don't want to make you. I've given you, a, I've given you a measure of faith. Should you choose to be able to wrap your arms around my love and let me come in and abide in you? But he said, I want you to know, I want you to know that I'm not going to do that. That's why in Joshua 24, 15, it says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. And you know what? That's just not a one-time event. Every day you wake up, you're going to have to choose this day whom you're going to serve. Amen? How many of you know that a little bit every day you might get a little bit out of whack? Hello? You just maybe not. God, I chose this morning, but I tell you, that person, if they say one more word to me, I'm going to back up my sanctification, and I'm going to tell them what I think. Well, somebody said, well, if you say it, you might as well go and do it. Uh-uh. No way. Because you see, as long as you haven't said it, it's only you and God who knows it. When you say it, they know it, and you're going to have to answer for that. And then Deuteronomy. We know that Moses is the one that penned most of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, here's what he says. He said, see, I, uh, I'm setting before you today, I'm giving you a blessing or a curse. So God said, when I created you, 
When I placed my spirit upon you, I gave you the step of faith that you get to choose. And if you choose, he said, you get blessing. But if you don't choose, you're going to have a curse. You're going to live under a curse. I spoke Monday night in that annual business meeting. I'm so grateful that many of you were there in that annual business meeting. And, and one of the things I saw in the book of Job as God directed my heart and I shared that devotional, I thought, man, you want me to use the book of Job in an annual business meeting? God, what's up with that? But I did. I shared. And this one it says, and one that really caught my spirit. It was where God said to Satan, now Job and his assets are in your hands. Wow. I'm thinking, man, God gave the assets, everything except the life of Job. He said, devil, it's in your hands. I'm not going to bother with it, God said. Can you imagine what kind of fear that would create if you knew, if you knew, boy, God's give permission to the devil to eat my lunch. And yet, here's what we know. Here's what we know. He said, I give you an opportunity every day to choose blessing or to choose a curse. Blessing or curse. And there is absolutely nothing in between that goes with that. So in every part of your life, you get to choose. And the day will come, as we mentioned a moment ago, we're all going to stand before God. You're going to stand in judgment. And it's not going to be virtual. Hello? You're going to be in a courtroom the way they do it today. The prisoner stands in front of a camera and the judge says, uh, uh, uh. We are going to be in the presence of the great high priest judge. And he's going to judge us. Only two verdicts. Guilty or not guilty? Right now, life is being played out that we have that dose of mercy that comes from God, and He has not yet uttered the words guilty, because as long as you are breathing, there is hope. Hope. So here's what Paul writes in Romans 14:10. We shall all stand before the judgment seat. Of Christ. And then Matthew 12, 37, here it is. Well, let's, there it is. For by your what? Your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Can't blame it on Susie Q. Can't blame it on Johnny B. He said, by your own words. By your words. By your words, you'll either be acquitted. Why acquitted? Because we are born into sin. Sin is a Lord, sin is a master until we exercise the faith. And he's telling this, speaking to the group of individuals who have, many of them said, okay, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And so James is teaching them and said, boys, y'all better pay attention. So he says, there are a lot of sinful practices you have that you just discount. You don't even pay attention. Number one, he said you talk too much. How many of you know someone that talks too much other than the preacher? There you go. That's good. I know. I know some of you do. You complain during your tests and trials. Oh, here it is again. And he said you make too many excuses for not being committed. 
Too many excuses for not being committed. You, you repeatedly fall into temptation. Hello? He said, you're hearers but not doers of the Word. Big time talkers. But you're, he's talking to what I would call the church. He said, you have a lot of good intentions, but buddy, you don't ever produce any fruit. You know, I'm going to get to it, but you don't produce any fruit. He said, you take for granted the grace and mercy of God and His blessing. And you allow pride to rule your lives. It's my way or the highway. I'm in control. It's pride. Function according to the wisdom. This world has no wisdom. Once you settle that, you won't believe a word as it relates to worldly wisdom. If you want wisdom, God said, call Dr. Phil. Stand before Judge Judy. No. He said, talk to him. Talk to him. He'll guide you. Fail to remember that judgment is coming soon. Now, here's the big question. How does that take place? How does that take place to these individuals that he's speaking to? The text describes a person who is blind to their own spiritual weakness. Now, we know that unbelievers are blind to their sin. But is it possible that a follower of Jesus Christ who's become, who's become cold and indifferent and lukewarm can be blind to their own spiritual condition? Can they tell enough lies to themselves that they believe that their boat that they're in is seaworthy? We're told, here's what you need to do. James says it, get on track. So here's point number one. You can't be satisfied. That's going to make sense in just a moment. You can't be satisfied, James 4, 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Oh, man. He's talking about a person that is not happy, a person that is rude, a person that is short-tempered, a person that just is miserable, a person who will sit in church, you know, and cover that base, but still they just spew out unpleasant things from their mouth. James immediately brings our attention to many. He said, when that's the case, he said, you're not committed to Christ, and you're experiencing anxiety and restlessness and strife in your heart and mind. Old song we used to sing, peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above when there's no peace. And every time you turn around, you're wringing your hands, he's saying, and it's anxiety. Everything gets to you. I don't think I can take it anymore. You see, they have no clue what their problem is. That's what he said. They can't get peace. They're stressed beyond words. He says, what causes fights? What causes fights and quarrels among you? What caused you to get up this morning and be on the wrong side of the bed? What caused you throughout this day to just not be happy and joyful? There's serious confrontation that he's talking about, disagreements and unsettled emotions and bitter inward and outward controversy. He said, there's passion and there's displeasure in you. And he said, God wants to hold you up as a light. Well, if you're that way, your light's not shining bright at all. You've lost your saltiness. And you said, hey, 
I just love the Lord. James says that battle source, here's where it's at. He said, don't you know where it comes from? It's the desires that battle in you. The desires that battle in you. Not my will, but thy will be done. I've settled it. I want, I want to take a step that is directed by you. He said, here's what happens. He said, before long, your walk, your journey with God, he said, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and you just fight. And you don't, don't have because you just simply go to everything else and try to resolve it in every other avenue. Or, but he, you, don't, you don't go to God. What's wrong, he says. What's wrong with you? He says, we're looking for satisfaction in the superficial. Now listen, friend, you get to walk at the speed you choose to walk with when you walk with Christ. You get to walk on a path that, my friend, is as clear as can be, or you can be muddled up with all kinds of things, potholes, ditches, everything else. He said it's how you perceive using that, that measure of faith. You're looking for satisfaction in the superficial. What does that mean? He says satisfaction that's not found in self-fulfilling pleasure. I, I want my pleasure okay, or, or talents and gifts. I'm using my talents and my gifts. I'm using them for everything else, but that talent and that gift never shows up at church, never shows up to bring honor to God, or you're, it's not having an extra day off or having family time. That's not going to resolve it. It's that peace that passes understanding. Here's what Isaiah says in 64 verse number six. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We're all shriveled up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. He said, you're miserable. You're not wholesome and green. Your leaf is dead. It's just shriveled up. And they're just, when is the last time that, that you really just were able to raise your hands in peace and perfect peace and feel the Holy Ghost come over you and tears come down your eyes and say, wow, God, it's so good to sense you, to feel you, and to love you. You live in a pressure cooker. He said, don't do that. You live in the microwave, push the button, and it doesn't take much. He's saying there is a life that passes all understanding that doesn't come from any other satisfaction except in that close community with the Lord. Then he says, you can't straddle the fence. You got to pick one side or the other, James 4, 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? We don't know that. We know that, but we don't know that. That friendship with the world is hatred, hatred toward God. And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You can't live to please mammon. You can't live to please man. You can't live to please the world and try to live to please God. You will go haywire. Your relationship with God will be about that thick. 
and being that thick won't manage the storms of life when they come. He realized that many, they were not ready to admit that they were out of tune spiritually, just not willing to admit it at all. He knew they weren't satisfied. He knew they weren't happy. He knew they were filled with misery and anxiety. And he said, I know what, I know what your problem is. You're trying, you're trying to be, you're trying to live like the devil on Saturday and be godly on Sunday. And then Monday comes, you start building up to live like the devil again. You know, God's not, God's not in the total picture. And he says, you're an adulterous people. What did he mean? He said, you don't know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God. You are selling your relationship. You are selling God short to be able to have relationship with the world. He said, that's what it is. He said, that's what it is. You see, you can always find out your spiritual strength. And I found this out a long time ago by when you're called on to pray, can you pray with confidence? You find out your spiritual depth. I want you to come over here and pray. Me? You sure you want me to pray? Yeah. Hurry before I change my mind. <laughs> when you're in tune, it's real easy. Someone asks you to pray. It's God has called you into the batter's box and said, now hit me a home run. You take that situation and you bear down and pray. Amen? And you can find out how long people pray in their devotion time by how they pray in the public time. Amen? If you don't have anything to say and you cover all that in about two minutes, that means you're spending about 30 seconds at prayer in your devotional time. But he says, hey, when you pray, you have a confidence to be able to pray. And you're able to say, devil, I want you to know you picked on the wrong person. That's my friend. I'm about to pray. I'm going to rebuke you. You are going to leave and you are over. I declare that in the name of Jesus Christ. You speak with authority. You speak with power. And you don't let the power of darkness get to you. We, 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 we're confronted with true reality. Uh, uh, adultery, well, here's what it means. It means unfaithfulness. To know the truth and not abide by it is unfaithfulness. He said, you, you, you ran from reality, that's unfaithfulness. He said, the desire of God's blessing to, and you take him for granted is unfaithfulness. He said, you say you love God, but you also want a little bit of the world. He said, that's unfaithfulness. He said, to want the best of both worlds is unfaithfulness. And he said, that won't work. Be faithful, be loyal. Be genuine. James said that's unacceptable, and that behavior is deliberate and willful hatred toward God. And then he writes, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. And he's speaking, speaking 
to those people that are professing followers. Amazing. But we know this, and we know this even more right now. Paul's writing in Ephesians 6, 12, our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and powers in this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Listen to me. You will never get a better picture to date than what you're seeing right now, and that is the battle between good and evil, the battle between oppression and liberty in Jesus Christ. You'll never get a better picture when someone can suggest take to under God, take the word God out of that equation. You will never get a better picture than the battle of evil forces. We can't fight, we cannot fight the devil with our own might, our own mind, our own abilities. The way we fight the devil is we realize it is spiritual and we go to God and we tank up with the power of the Holy Ghost and then we can speak words that we never thought we could ever speak and the Holy Spirit will give us the power to be able to demand that the enemy take his hand off. Amen? In spirit, and, and darkness, and, in places of people with authority. This world is sick. It's ungodly. The culture, my friend, is out of whack. I don't know where I got that word, but must be straight from heaven. And the only antidote you know what? I had, a, I had a hip replacement. Dr. Fisher. Dr. Fisher, he replaces hips. A lot of them. I, I, got a, I had a hip replacement. I went to a pain doctor. They put shots in my back. It hurt. It didn't help. I went to another specialist. They said, it's all in your head. I said, I have something I'd like to say to you. But I'm not. We can't find anything on the x-ray. We can't, we, can't, we can't see anything that ought to be causing that problem. Then pray tell, tell me why. Tell me why. I went to a specialist that dealt with that. You see, my point is, I had a hip problem and needed a hip replacement. I didn't go to a psychologist. I didn't go to Dr. Phil and say, I need you to take care of my hip. I didn't, I didn't go to the president. I didn't go to the president of the Chamber of Commerce. I found somebody who dealt in hips. Y'all with me? And that's what happens in these kind of situations. Nobody can take care of the problems of the world except God. We go to God because he controls when the enemy thinks he has power over it. James 4, 4 says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely. Do you think that spirit is there? You think God made a mistake? He says, listen up, listen up. He begins to convict us and said, you can have liberty. Okay, how many are perfect? May I see your hand? I don't see any hands. And I'm glad. We're all imperfect. But we're also all on a journey to say, God, help me through. 
Help me be a better follower. Let me be a believer. Don't let me abort my precious peace and relationship with you. He finally says, you must come down before you go up. Say that with me. You must come down before you go up. You ever anybody been on a hot air balloon? I went up once. It got, it got lost. Sharon was in there. Jack and Mary Wise were in there along with the balloon keeper. I knew we were in trouble when he began to read the instructions in Braille. I thought, Lord, we're in big trouble. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He might as well have been. He took us out over toward downtown Lakeland. Where are we at now, he said. He was from Orlando. I said, well, it looks like to me we're in downtown Lakeland. Well, I need to find a place to put it down. I guess it was the first time he's ever put it down. Sharon was saying, do something, do something, do something. <laughs> we're going down. We went down. He crashed down. I hit the ground. I mean, I hit the bottom of that nasty basket. Sharon was on top of me. Mary was on top of her. Jack was on top of all of us. It was a nasty, nasty, nasty situation. Didn't know how to get out of it. Couldn't, couldn't manage it. Here's, here's, here's what I do know. You see, you see, the bottom line is we got up, but we couldn't get down in an orderly way. But we know what goes up must come down. So here's what God says. Before you go up, you've got to come down. That doesn't make any sense. If I'm not up, why should I come down? He said, oh yeah, you're up. What keeps you up is P-R-I-D-E, pride. And we have one of our staff members that when he does announcements like tonight, we have a mirror in the ready room and he's. Pride will get you. All right, let me help us. You must come down before you go up. Jeff, I did not say your name, so don't worry. Unless you give it away, they won't know. James 4.10, here we go. Here's what it says. Okay, here's action. Humble yourselves before the... Lord, and he'll do what? He'll lift you up. You say, God, I know that I have pride. Everybody's created with a measure of faith. Well, it's just automatic in a human being that pride, where does that come from? It's the spirit of the enemy. 
the spirit of darkness, pride. Nothing wrong with a little pride, you know, just a little pride. I mean, just a little, not a whole lot. <laughs> it's all right. But he said, here's what happens. More than that will create a chasm between you and the favor of God. He said, it will. Because you'll think that you can be in control. You'll think that you're deserving. You'll create a more self-righteous life. James 4, 6 says, and what he gives in love is far better than anything that you'll find anything else it's common knowledge that god goes against the willful proud god gives grace to the willing humble so let god work his will in you yell out loud to the devil and watch him scamper say a quiet yes to god and he'll be there in no time Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. And so if we take nothing else from this message except that scripture, James 4, 6 through 10, just that scripture and say, God, deal with me about that. It will make you have a better tomorrow and it will cause you to advance. You see, we're to do to acknowledge God. He's brought us to this moment. He opposes those who reject his mercy. We resist the lie of the devil and he is a liar. We draw near to God. And you make up your mind not to straddle the fence and you purify your heart or you're double-minded. You're double-minded. Humble your spirit by acknowledging God's love and presence in our heart right now. So please listen carefully. Let this little teaching from the book of James, a nugget of it somewhere. Those of you at home, listen carefully to it. Remember this, God has a place for all of us to stand every day. A place that he has set us and said, I want you to stand here at this post. I don't want you to leave it. I want you to be this person right now in this post. Yes, Lord, that's what I want. That's what I need. That's what we believe. We trust God. Sharon and I, you know the first church we had seven or eight or so down in a swamp, old canal filled up with weeds and trees. And you're afraid to go around there, fear the snakes and the rats and the rabbits. We got there and the place was run down. Smell of rats in the auditorium. But I gotta tell you something. We thought we were in heaven. God, you found a place for us. You gave us a place. 
to declare your truth. And buddy, Wednesday night, just Sharon, you've heard me say that at least a hundred times, just Sharon, I preached like the house was on fire. Why? Someone came up to me one time and said, what are you doing over there in Bradenton? Place is kind of run down, isn't it? And this guy pastored a church, three or four hundred. And I said to him, yeah, we're, uh, we're running about a thousand now. <laughs> the whole church was not quite as big as this first set of pews right here. Are you really? You can't be doing that. Yeah, we are. We had not caught them yet, but we're running them. <laughs> what do I say to you? This is an inward job. Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Amen. Do a work in me. Today I called Justin Hawks. He turned 40 today. He's a trucker, Eddie and Sharon's youngest son, best looking one. And I called him and I said, happy birthday. How old are you? He said, I'm 40. 40. 40. 40. How many remember 40? Some of you online right now remember 40. I remember your 40. But he said this, we'll be watching tonight, Pastor. They're on the road coming from Washington headed down to Indiana or somewhere over, I don't know. He said, Pastor, you'll never know what it means to us when you call. We watch Sunday and we watch Wednesday, even on the road. That, my friend, says, God, thank you. Because we don't deserve sometimes the little bit of accolade or honor that we get. But let's make our mind up to be attentive to God and be sure that if we don't confess God and act like the devil. Amen? Let's stand. Father, in your name, I thank you. I thank you for the blessing of the Holy Spirit. I thank you. We pray, God, as here we are in COVID mode, and we believe that's backing up a little bit. Well, we've been rebuking it long enough. And I'm grateful for this wonderful group of the best-looking people in the world right here in this sanctuary. And God, those watching online are great-looking people. I pray that you would bless. We commit our hearts to you. We thank you for conviction, which is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify a need that, God, you want to fix. And I need fixing. I need a touch. I need a visitation of your holy, 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 holy Spirit. So God, lift us up. But before we are lifted up, we'll have to humble down and say, God, I'm not worthy. I messed up too many times, made too many mistakes, said too many things, didn't keep my mouth shut when I should have, thought too many bad thoughts, made too many bad decisions. But God, here's what I know. According to your word, you still love me. And I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you for loving me. And maybe you're here and maybe you're listening online and maybe you're looking at this particular message. And God has spoken to you. But I want to be sure that no one escapes tonight to have, not have the privilege of being able to say, Jesus, cleanse me, purify my heart, 
So I'm going to ask everybody right now, wherever you are and wherever you're listening and, and right here to repeat this prayer after me. Would you do that? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I humble myself. I admit I'm not worthy. And I'm grateful that you love me anyway. I'm glad that I can come just as I am and know that you will welcome me. I know that it is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. So, Lord, take my hand and walk with me and I with you. And together, I promise to make you happy with what you see in me. And I give you praise. I give you honor. And I give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and let's thank him. Let's thank him. In your leisure time, say, well, I don't have any leisure time. Well, take time. Read the book of James. It'll bless you. It'll speak to you. And then those of you that you just prayed that prayer, maybe need a little something. If you're in the room tonight, you just take the card in front of you and turn it in when you go out the, the bucket there. And thank you for your giving. And those of you that are online, uh, you can let us know, hey, I need prayer or send me some information. We want to help you. Amen. Now, I'd love to be able to tell you, find somebody and shake their hands and give them a hug. But I can't tell you that right now. But one day soon, I will. Amen. It'll be behind us. Amen. Praise God. I love you, everybody. One more worship and then we're out of here. Let's raise this together. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. If you believe that, can you declare it so? You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Yeah, you turn it for good. One more time, say you take, you take what the enemy I hear you sing it. Let's raise it before we leave the house tonight. Say, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and then you turn it for good. You turn it, turn it for good. You take, everybody say now. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good.
praise you got in the house one more time. Church, we love you. Go in peace, and we will see you on Sunday morning. God bless.